0: I've met you before, my name's Anthony. I'm one of the ministers here at York Street. It's my joy to be able to share uh, some thoughts with you today. Today we're wrapping up our vision uh, series that we've been looking at over the month of February uh, and we, we've been looking at our new theme for this year, Complete joy. We've been exploring um, what, what that looks like and how we can live out um, an active faith in Jesus, how we can as a church that, that values uh, community, that values family and above all puts Jesus at the head of all that we do, can, how can we take his message, his, his love, his care, his compassion and his joy into the world around us and so our theme verse this year um, is John 15:11. anyone got a wristband from last week? Uh, not as many. You need to get one on the way out. So, who can remember what it, what John fifteen eleven is? I have told you this so that. Yep. Yeah, that my joy may be in you. Jesus' joy is in us. The next part, and and that your joy may be complete. Well done. (laughs) Over the past couple of weeks, we've been uh, learning what, what joy really is. That the joy isn't necessarily a feeling, it isn't purely our emotions, it's not reliant on being happy or sad. Our joy is found in our relationship with Jesus. It's a gift given to us when we commit our lives to Him and His purposes. And so last week, we spent some time looking at what joy is and what joy isn't, and, and that we can find this joy in the midst of any circumstance that we face. And throughout this year, we're going to be re- revisiting this time and time again, that all we do here at York Street, uh, we, we're going to apply this filter this year uh, as a faith community and looking at how, as followers of Jesus, we can not only receive joy for ourselves, That we can continue to experience joy through an active and ongoing devoted faith walk with Jesus in our everyday life. And then that we're actually not called to keep this joy to ourselves. In fact, we have a mandate through scripture from God to say, hey, let's share this with everyone. Let's share this with the world around us. And so it becomes this almost cycle that we receive joy we work, we work alongside Jesus in, in our relationship to experience the joy that he offers, but then we share it. And so then, hopefully, through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, once we share this joy, someone may receive it for themselves and the cycle starts again. So our mission statement here at York Street is to lead people to Jesus and disciple them so they're equipped to do the same. Precisely that cycle. Receive experience and share Jesus and his joy so that people can do the same and so today we're going to have a brief look at at God's word and how we can can be so full of this complete joy because of what we've received and that we continue to experience that we might just share it to the world around us but before we do that let's pray. Heavenly Father as we we come before your word today would you reveal something to us something that means that we're, we're changed for the better, that we're closer to you, and that we might be equipped to take all that you call us to do uh, into action, that we might put our faith uh, into action, and that we might draw people into an experience of you. Father God, be with us today as we explore your word, in Jesus' name, amen. So how do you think you go at having spiritual conversations? Good, by the sounds of it. So like you're in church, which is great, or you've tuned in to, to uh, online church, which is great. So you're kind of in the right place. You're making a start. Sometimes we might get a bit embarrassed by these spiritual conversations, right? Not only with people in our community, but certainly if, if we don't know whether someone's a believer or not, so then comes all these feelings of maybe uh, anxiety, maybe embarrassment, maybe we become a bit nervous. Maybe we're concerned we might be judged, Maybe we're concerned we might be harassed. Maybe we're concerned that maybe we don't have a good enough argument to to win the argument with them. Maybe, maybe we might get offended. Or maybe we might offend someone. Goodness me. See, the world thinks this about Christians. The world thinks that about Christians. And so sometimes it's easier just to kind of shrink into the background and do nothing. And I know this is a generalisation, but I think as the Western church, in this generation, in this time, we're not so good at having spiritual conversations. And in fact, I'm not sure that we're that amazing at having just conversations, to be honest. <laughs> Who's kind of a person that will shoot a text rather than make a phone call? Yeah, there's a few out there. I'm definitely one of those people. So we might have a small group or we might go to church and, and that's the prescribed time for spiritual conversations, right? That's where We check that off our list and that's where we do that and then we go about our lives. Anyone resonate? See, I think the enemy doesn't actually want us to lead people to Jesus. In fact, I know he doesn't. I know the enemy doesn't want us to have deep spiritual conversations about God. Tell me if you've ever had these thoughts or feelings. Oh, I don't know enough about the Bible to tell people about Jesus. Yeah. I have that one all the time. What if I make a fool of myself? What if I get something wrong? What if they think I'm weird? So what? They probably think that anyway, right? (laughs) What if they don't understand me? What if they're so stuck in their own beliefs that they won't listen to anything I have to say? Or what if, and I hear this a lot about lots of things, it's not my gifting. Actually, it's your mandate. (laughs) um, so think about the 10 closest people to you right 10 people in your life that don't come to york street or to uh, that aren't christians if you can't think of 10 people there's your first problem second to that what if i were to tell you that at least three or four of them would probably consider coming to church with you if you asked them They'd probably blame you. They'd be like, oh, yeah, I'll come to church for you. But we all know that the Holy Spirit gets up to some stuff when they arrive, yeah? So, there's about 25% of people, and this is a recent survey done in Australia in our context, right, about 18 months ago, there's about 25% of people that are a hard no. But there's 75-odd percent of people that would be a maybe at least, Yet we're still not asking them to church next slide more than half of the people surveyed said that they don't know someone who goes to church a friend or a family member that goes to church what a sad state of affairs what if in fact their friends or family do go to church but they don't know about it so we're not having the conversation yeah See, I think some of this resistance, some of this reluctance to these kinds of conversations about faith, about life, can be boiled down to these three things. Our attitude, our answer, and our availability. And so today we're going to open God's Word and we're going to jump almost to the end of our Bibles, to First Peter. We're going to unpack these three elements, our attitude, our answers, and our availability in relation to us sharing the gospel, engaging in spiritual conversations with those around us. So the Apostle Peter writes to the Christians in Rome who are are learning to live out this this new faith, this this whole new world where they're not being understood. It's countercultural to where they, they geographically are. And in fact, it's not being received that well. They're being persecuted, right? And because of what they're facing, Peter wants them to be prepared, He doesn't want them to be surprised by the the suffering and the opposition they're going to receive. In fact, he wants them to use the opposition as an opportunity. So 1 Peter 1, verse 3 says this, "'Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. "'In his mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope "'through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead.'" and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Lots of words there. What it's saying is don't forget who you are, don't forget where you've come from, and don't forget Jesus. Don't forget what he's done for you in the face of this opposition, in the face of this persecution, don't forget who you are, don't forget Jesus. Verse six, in all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you may not have seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with, with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And so we see it wasn't easy for these new Christians. They were being persecuted. They were foreigners in a foreign land with a new message that hadn't been heard before. Peter's writing to them for two purposes. One, to give them the warning, but one, to give them encouragement. He's telling them, you will face opposition, but there's an opportunity here to live out your faith, to show the people around you the transformation that has happened inside you as a result of Jesus. So Peter's letter was helpful to them, and it's helpful for us because we don't always respond like we probably should when someone disagrees or when when our opinion's different or when we face these oppositions of life, and by no means are we under this level of persecution. So what's our excuse then? Maybe we need to consider the opposition as an opportunity. Maybe we need to adjust our attitude towards these conversations of faith. Now, I don't know about you, but like, clearly I'm a pastor, and I grew up and I didn't do anything wrong my whole life, right? <laughs> um, and so at school, actually, there's people who can... Yeah, okay, sorry, yeah. <laughs> So <laughs> So there may have been times, and I remember vividly some teachers telling me that I needed an attitude adjustment. And now, maybe in reflection, yes, OK, maybe I did. But maybe we need an attitude adjustment today. Maybe we need to view these interactions and conversations not as an obligation. like the Bible tells us to, so therefore we should. Like it's a rule. But you know what? As believers in Jesus, it actually has no effect on us because our future's secured. We've made a commitment to Jesus, and we know where we're going. So whether we have a conversation or we don't doesn't affect us. But if we change our attitude, if we adjust our attitude, in fact, it's it's an act of love. It's for the benefit of the person we're having the conversation with because we want to see them have the fullness of joy. We want to see them have a relationship with Jesus like they maybe have never experienced before. That's why we do it, not for our own benefit. So why would we let our feelings get in the way? We need an attitude adjustment. Research from the Alpha Course says that people on average need 12 interactions and conversations to get them to a point of giving their life to Jesus. Who knows whether we're number one, number five, or number 12, but I don't want to risk not having the conversation because it holds them back from getting to number 12. Mate, it's not a 12-step process, but hear what I'm saying. We need to have the conversations. We need to be moving people forward towards a faith decision. Sharing the gospel and having these conversations of faith, it's all about the other person. It's all about us being obedient to being the vessel for the conversation. All we've got to do is have the conversation. God does the rest. In fact, we can't make a change in their life. Only they, with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, can make a change in their life, right? Yeah. But we can have the conversation. It's the least we could do. 1 Peter chapter 3, says uh, verse 13, says this. Who is going to harm you if you're eager about doing good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. As tough as it feels sometimes, it feels like society is moving away from a lot of what we stand for as Christians. Morality and ethics and and our our Christian values and message is being lost in so many ways. But I still think we're a long way from this persecution, yeah? Yeah. We're still a long way from what many people in many countries experience as a result of their their beliefs and their faith in Jesus. Verse 15 says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Keep a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. We've all heard the term, or maybe we've been called Bible bashers, right? See, Peter's telling the church, don't do that. (laughs) Don't smash people with the gospel. Yet we're to seek peace and pursue it. Keep a clear conscience. Approach people and conversations with humility and with love. Remember, that's the whole point of the conversation. It's for their benefit. It's that they may experience Jesus for themselves. And there's one more piece of godly wisdom that, that Peter described in his writings to these early Christians, a directive that we would all well, do well to note. No matter where we live, no matter our circumstances, as, God, as God's children, we should be prepared, ready, and willing with our Response to what is it you believe in? What do you stand for? So, when someone asks us, we're ready with the answer. If we have a hope in Jesus and are committed our lives to his purposes, we need to be prepared with the reason we have our faith. See, it's an answer, it's your answer, it's not all the answers. We don't have all the answers, we never will. But you have an answer, and the answer that maybe they need to hear. Um, you, you don't start a conversation with, "Let's read Revelation." <laughs> well, I haven't, and it's probably not a great idea. Or um, don't don't pull out your views on like the transubstantiation of the Eucharist or something like really like deep. It's not it's not going to get them there probably, or at least at the start. But there was a time maybe recently, maybe a long, long time ago, where you had an interaction with Jesus. He changed your life. You invited him into your life and you haven't lived the same since. That's an answer. Your story is the greatest evangelism tool you have. There was a time where you didn't know Jesus and now you do and you live your life, hopefully, a bit different than everyone else. That is your greatest tool in these conversations. Your own faith story is an answer. It's not all the answers. Have you ever intentionally sat down? And probably not, and that's okay. Have you ever sat down and considered those threads throughout your life where God has revealed himself? Where he spoke to you in that moment? Where you felt his presence in that moment? And you can see those moments line up. Time and time again. Because in the moment, you don't always feel it. But if you sit back and reflect, you can see his goodness and his grace reflected throughout your life. And that's the answer you can provide. So we've had a look at our attitude. We've got an answer. And now we need to be available, yeah? First Peter 5, verse 6 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. See, it's not unique to us here. Christians all over the world have the same Though different contexts, the same uh, struggles in trying to get the message out. Same insecurities, the same, same anxieties. We find time in our lives for all sorts of different things, don't we? Obviously, there's like work or school, or maybe we volunteer. We've got also a fair bit of spare time. Maybe we play video games. Maybe we indulge in Netflix. Maybe we play sport. Maybe whatever. We fill our time with plenty of things. All good stuff, all fun things, and all okay in the right amount. But what if we open our diaries and booked in a time for spiritual conversations? Okay, maybe it doesn't need to be every Tuesday at four o'clock. Or does it? Because maybe we're not prioritising the things we should. What I'm saying is we're busy people, don't get me wrong. But where are our priorities at? So the challenge, I guess, is are you prioritizing matters of faith? Are you prioritizing your call to share the gospel and have these spiritual conversations with the people around you? Looking to view the the, the obstacles as the opportunities, even when it seems like you're not getting anywhere. Maybe you're at number 11 of the 12 conversations. Even when it feels hard, Maybe when you're embarrassed, maybe you need to be vulnerable. It's worth it, because it's for them, not for you. So a challenge for our church this year, uh, as we look at sharing this complete joy that we have, maybe we're willing to realign our attitude. Maybe we're, we're, pre- we're going to be prepared and we're going to be intentional in our conversations. And maybe we're even going to be prepared with an answer for the hope that we have. This year, we're, we're launching what is called 32U. So, the challenge is every 30 days, once a month, right? Have two spiritual conversations. Is that all? Lovely response. But see, we're not doing it. So, if we need to be intentional, maybe we can just get by with two. It's not the maximum you're allowed at least every 30 days, meet with two people, maybe meet for coffee, maybe have a meal together, invite other people to your place, better still, invite yourself to theirs, they have to clean up. (laughs) Meet at a cafe, meet at church, meet down the street, wherever, whatever the context, meet with two people. How hard is it? Well, there is a catch. Meeting with two people mightn't seem that hard at face value, but it has to be with the express purpose of having spiritual conversations. And so we can all have a coffee or a meal or invite ourselves over to our, our mates that we already have mates with. Having the spiritual conversations is the tricky part. And so maybe there's an opportunity today after church to get one of these two conversations out of the way. But you know what? There's another 29 days in the month, or whatever it is, and there's still an opportunity to turn those, those obstacles, those, those things that are holding you back, into an opportunity to share faith. Maybe consider asking if you can pray for them. They can't stop you. <laughs> But you know what? My experience is that any time I've offered to pray for someone, they're actually a bit confused by it. They mightn't understand it. But more often than not, they say yes. Consider asking what they believe. Maybe it's different. Don't be offended. It opens the conversation. Consider telling them about your weekend that hopefully included church. Opens the conversation. Talk about life talk about death, talk about faith, open the conversation. Remember, we don't know where we're, we're at in those 12 interactions. Maybe today's the day where they're ready to make a decision, or maybe you're just the first one. It doesn't matter. We're not in control. We're just being obedient to what we're called to. And so we're going to revisit this throughout the year. We're going to try and and provide opportunities to, to learn more about sharing faith, more about having these deep spiritual conversations, more about sharing the joy that a life with Jesus brings. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10 says this, And God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast to him be the power forever and ever amen let's pray heavenly father we thank you that you're with us today we pray that you will embolden us as we go from this place to have the conversations that we need to have that we would draw people to a place where they even just consider who you might be in their life Father God, we thank you that you equip us each step we make into your call. That it's not on us to bring them to you. You will do that. You will draw them to yourself. Father, use us in the conversations. Use us in our interactions. And Father, above all, would you draw people to yourself? Would we be obedient to what you ask us to do? but would we see people come to you and come to know the joy you hold for each and every one of us. Father God, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like prayer or to find our sermon-based studies, please head to our website or check the description below for a link. If you enjoyed the video, feel free to share the video like, subscribe, and hit the bell icon for updates of when we release new videos. Remember, life can be tough, so let's do it together.